Matthew chapter 10, beginning with verse 17. Let's stand. I'm not going to read all the way down to verse 31 because we'll be hitting on highlights as we go. But I want you to notice something that is very potent about this Matthew chapter 10, verse 17 through 20. It says, but beware of men. Well, I didn't need that in the Bible to know that's true, but it's true. For they will deliver you up to the councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not, for is, for it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which is in heaven. Draw your attention to verse 26. Fear them not. Verse 28. And fear not them. Verse 31, fear ye not. I want to use for a subject this morning, fear not this world. You may be seated. Fear not this world. Now Jesus has sent his disciples and called them apostles because they had graduated, they had learned, and Jesus sent out the twelve in the previous verses, to heal the sick, to cleanse the leper, to open blinded eyes, and even raise the dead. That was the calling card of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, and he talked about repentance because the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus comes and he preaches the same message, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But the Jewish people of Israel did not believe it. Many came to Christ, but the leaders rejected the message. And when Jesus picked his apostles, he did not go to the temple to find them because the people in the temple were know-it-alls. They felt like they knew everything already. But he went to the streets, the streets of Jerusalem and the outer areas of Galilee and Capernaum, and he called him 12 disciples. He trained them, and then he sent them back into the cities, the Jewish cities, preaching the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they were to do miracles to prove that Jesus is truly the Messiah. And they went out. Now, Jesus tells them, when you go, don't go with, you know, money in your pocket, don't go all prepared. You know, a lot of people think they're going to serve God when they strike it rich. Well, you, if you don't serve God while you're uh, dirt, mud, poor, you'll never serve God when you're filthy rich. Amen? I'd rather be filthy, muddy, poor as to be filthy rich in a wrong way. Now, if I had my rather, I'd be rich, but not filthy rich. Amen? Someone said, money would ruin you. Try me. You need money to take care of things, and God knew that. But God sent his, his apostles out to preach to the cities of Israel. And he told them that they will reject you. 
And he said, when they reject you, they will beat you in the synagogues. How's that for church service? Go to church and get beat. For them, it was a synagogue. We call ours a church. And the reason they had synagogues is because different Jews would live in different areas of providence around Jerusalem. And, and then when the, when the apostles went into their synagogues to share, the Bible says to beware of men. They'll, they'll deliver you to counsel, scourge you in their synagogues. <laughs> I can't get that out of my head. Beating someone up in the synagogue. That's wild. That's just plumb ugly. Amen. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake for testimony against them. In other words, when you speak, you're going to bring condemnation to them for rejecting the Messiah. Jesus being the Messiah. But when they deliver you, verse 19, take no thought what you shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. Now, verse 19 is not giving you a permission not to study. It's not giving you permission to not prepare. But Jesus Christ is saying that when they bring you in to prison, when they begin to scourge you and bring you before councils to condemn you, don't prepare a speech. Don't get ready and try to write out a speech you're going to share. The Bible says that in that same hour, your Father, by the Holy Spirit, will give you what to say. And that was the case when Peter and John was put in prison. That was the case when Paul was put in prison. That was the case when Jesus was put in prison and taken to the cross. The Holy Ghost upon him and others, that same hour, the Father speaks up. I want to give you the outline of the message today. Verse 17 through 20 tells us God will speak up. God will speak up. Verse 21 through 25, we find double trouble, double interpretation. In verse 26 through 27, we find fear them not which lie and deceive. In verse 28, we find fear not them that will kill the body. In verse 29 to 31, it says, Fear not because of God's love, knowledge, and power. Now, this is an amazing passage of Scripture as Jesus gives them instruction. Jesus tells them that they will persecute you. They will reject you because they have rejected me. And Jesus told them that the servant is not above its master. If they've hated me, Jesus said, they will hate you. And when someone gives you a hard time about your Christianity and you're living for God, sometimes it comes from family members. Sometimes it comes from those you wish wasn't family members. Sometimes it comes from those that are not family members, but they think you're just too brainwashed with the Bible. Well, thank you. I'm glad that I'm brainwashed with the Bible. Because before I came to Jesus Christ, my brain was filthy. So I'm brainwashed with the Bible. And more than that, I'm blood washed with the blood of the Lamb. I'm redeemed and sealed by the Spirit of God. 
I don't think you can get too crazy for Jesus. I don't think you can get too bug-eyed for Jesus Christ. If you're really a child of God, let your eyes bug out. Be happy about Jesus. Smile big and rejoice in the blessings of the Lord. Don't be embarrassed and don't be ashamed that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And so the apostles go out and they're preaching and Jesus says they're going to beat you in the synagogues. They're going to scourge you. That was 39 stripes save one, they would hold back and they would beat them for 39, 39 lashes in the synagogue. And uh, that's amazing. They got beat in the synagogues. I, I can't get over that. Some, fix, some people get upset because I didn't shake your hand. <laughs> Hello. Well, I just don't feel like I belong. Well, they didn't feel like they belong either. But the Spirit of God moved upon them, and I want to say real quickly, we're not to fear this world because God will speak up for us. God will speak up. You can read the Fox Book of Martyrs and find where God spoke up over and over when the people were martyred for Jesus Christ. You'll find over and over when Christians were given to the hungry uh, lions and beasts in the Colosseums of Rome. And when Christians would be burned by Nero on a pole to light the city of, of uh, Nero's city, to lighten up the place using Christians as human torches. As you read that, you'll find out that God would speak up. God always speaks up. Amen? He spoke up in Daniel in the lion's den. God spoke up in the furnace of fire with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. He speaks up when his children are in jail. And he speaks up when Stephen's stoned to death. And he stands to his feet, Jesus does, and welcomes him home. And Stephen says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father on high. And Jesus welcomes him in. God will speak up. Remember that. God will speak up on your behalf. No matter what you're going through, God will speak up. God is a God who wants to bring about blessings to your life. Verse 21 through 25, we find double trouble. Anybody ever had double trouble? Double interpretation. Verse 21 through 25, look at it. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death. Well, what a brother. And the father, the child. And the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that, is, that endures to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the city of Jerusalem till the Son of Man become. And the, disciples is, and the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master Beelzebub, or Lord of the fly, that's what Beelzebub is, how much more shall they call them of this household? 
He talks about persecution here, double trouble. But we find here a double interpretation. Now, notice the brother shall be delivered up by brother to death, and the father, the child. It talks about parents, their own children, deliver them to death. And there is really a double interpretation to this. When Jesus came, he claimed to be the Messiah. And those that came to Christ and believed on Jesus as Messiah, those that were evil and doing work of the devil, they would deliver their own sons and daughters to be punished because they believed Jesus was not the Christ. Now, there's a double interpretation here as well because in the great tribulation, when the Antichrist shows up and everybody's going to think that he's the Messiah, then again, they will deliver their sons and daughters up that believe in Jesus to the Antichrist because they're thinking that the Antichrist is the true Christ and the Antichrist will kill and destroy them. There's a double interpretation here we need to see. Um, We're kind of sheltered in America, but I want you to know this persecution is coming to a city near you. It's coming. Notice it says in verse 22, you'll be hated of all men for my namesake, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. Now we need to understand enduring to the end doesn't mean you're saved by gritting your teeth and enduring to the end. When he's talking about they'll be saved, it means when you leave this world, you'll be saved from this world. Fear not this world. He that endures to the end will just step over on the other side. Be saved. They may burn you. They may persecute you. They may kill you, but you'll just step over to the other side. He that endures the pain, he that endures the criticism, he that endures the tribulation, he that endures all the hellish enemies, when they step over to the other side, they shall be saved. Isn't that good? And by the way, Jesus is my endurer. He endures for me. Now, notice verse 23, but when they persecute you in this city, I love that phrase, this city. So he's looking at Jerusalem, Jesus is. And when they persecute you in this city, flee ye to another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. Now, this too has a double interpretation. And the reason it has a double interpretation is because when Jesus sent his apostles into the city to preach, he said, they'll persecute you. They'll reject you. They'll turn against you. But he said, hold on. I'm coming behind you. A double interpretation. What happens? Notice he says there in verse 23, you will not go over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. Well, when did that happen? It happened in Matthew 11, verse 1. Notice what it says. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commandment, His 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. So before they were done, Jesus come in behind them to do damage control. Don't look at me like that. 
Jesus goes in behind you all the time doing damage control. Amen? He sent the, the apostles out to preach, and so Jesus came in behind. You know, he's the Holy Ghost foreman. He's the Holy Ghost CEO. I mean, he's the God of the universe. He comes in behind him and says, is that right? Did Peter get whipped real good? Good. Did John and Matthew get scourged real good? Good. Are they still preaching? Yep. Good. They don't give up. They stay serving the Lord no matter what happens. And Jesus comes in behind them. And he said, you'll not get to all the cities of Jerusalem until the cities of Israel until the Son of Man returns. Well, he did return. Here in verse 1 of Matthew 11, he did return. But there's a double interpretation here. We too are sent out as ambassadors for Christ. And we too will face counsels and scourgings and persecution. We too will be rejected of men that don't want to receive our Savior, Jesus Christ. We too will go through great persecutions and great bloodshed and great agony. We too will be opposed. And then Jesus will come in behind us. It's called the catching away of the church. It's called Jesus coming to earth. It's called Jesus coming to planet earth, riding on a white horse, coming to Israel, coming to the cities. Amen. It's good stuff. Double interpretation there. Now, I just give you the introduction because the next three points are the ones that I really wanted to jump to, to go to immediately. Fear them not which lie and deceive. Verse 26 to 27. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak you in light. What ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. Now here we have fear them not which lie and deceive. And we're talking about fear not this world. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. Fear not the world. We don't have to fear the world. We've got Jesus. He said, You'll suffer tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Who is he that overcometh the world? Even he that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of Almighty God. We're overcomers. Amen. Hello. Now he says, nothing, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed. You hear that, Washington, D.C.? You hear that sex trafficking mob? You hear that politicians going to your special little island? You hear that? Those things you do in your chambers. Those things that you do without the citizens of this country knowing. And not just U.S., but all the countries. There's a lot of pagan people that rule over countries. And he says, nothing covered. The millions you put in your pocket. 
that investment you do to strengthen your bank account, yet you make the poor laboring young man or woman go through great agony just to pay your taxes, their taxes to get through a hard day's labor. Nothing covered that will not be uncovered. Gasoline. Four bucks a gallon. That's going in someone's pocket. It's coming out of mine into somebody else's. Hello. Now he says, don't you fear the council and the magistrates because there's nothing covered that shall not be uncovered. That wants me to keep going. Hey, they're going to get their just dessert. They're going to get their they're going to get their judgment. Right now, it's not time. The world lays in the lap of the wicked one, the devil. But one of these days, God's going to call them all under account. And nothing that's covered. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, or you're trying to avoid either one. I don't care who you are in this room. If you're doing things under the cover, it's going to be revealed. Nothing covered shall be hidden. Amen. Why to get quiet in here? Nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. So he's trying to tell us that when you go out there and you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, you just remember there's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the world that lays in wickedness, they'll lie, they'll deceit, they'll lie to you, they'll cover up, they'll try to hide their agenda, they'll do things behind our back, they're wicked, this world is a wicked world, but fear not this world. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. Fear not this world. God's got a payday coming to those that are in wickedness and evil. Amen. Hello. Nothing shall be hid that shall not be known. Verse 27 is an amazing verse. I want to show you something in verse 27 that is absolutely amazing. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in the light. And what you hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. That is an incredible verse. I want you to notice, he says, what I speak to you. Jesus Christ is saying, what I speak to you in darkness. We don't think of Jesus ever speaking to us in darkness. But here, basically what's happening, God will turn your light out to the world when you're alone with him. God will turn your light out so that you don't have to look at the world. You'll go in a closet of prayer. You'll be alone talking to God. And what you hear, notice what it says, what I tell you in darkness, that speak in light. We're talking about an intimate time, love moments with Jesus Christ. Times in your closet, times alone with God, times in prayer. God will turn out the lights to the world. You won't even be looking at the world. You're just, you're just in a romantic 
position with Jesus Christ. You're just loving Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I'll tell you, you're going to live forever. I'll tell you that I'm going to overcome everything for you. I tell you the Lamb of God has everlasting life. I tell you that nothing will be hid that shall not be uncovered. I tell you nothing shall be unseen. I'll make it all visible. I tell you, hold on. It's all going to be okay. This world is not to be feared. Amen. Amen. So God turns, turns your light out to the world when you're alone. And he tells you things. It's not things revealed to you. He tells you things in the darkness. Meaning when you're alone with him, intimate time. He said, when he tells you those things, speak it in light. Go out in the light and shout from the housetop, Jesus Christ is Lord Jesus Christ, his Bible is true. The word of God is true. Shout it from the housetop. It says when you preach, that preachy upon the housetop. Back in those days, they had their parties and their gathering on top of their house, their house, their flat roof house. They'd go up on the roof, the flat roof, and they would have... They would get together and they'd talk and they'd, they'd just spend time visiting. And, and, uh, and Jesus is saying, uh, when, you get, when, when I talk to you and give you great blessings and I begin to share with you my great strength, he said, I just want you to walk over to the edge of the housetop and just look down and shout it out. What I tell you in darkness, shout it out and tell them your day is numbered. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's coming soon. Get ready. The Son of God is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. You can have your parties on the housetop. You can have your get-togethers and talk about weather and sports and, and activities. You can get together in your activities of the world and spend your time talking about special activities and special gatherings in the world. But shut it from the housetop that Jesus is your love, that Jesus is your Christ. Amen. I got in an elevator, it's been a couple of years ago, I got in an elevator, and somebody was talking about football. About three of them then talking about football. Now, I know nothing about football. I don't know whether you make a basket or whether you hit, hit the ball with a club. I know nothing about football. I've never watched a football game in my life. I'm serious, never watched a football game in my life. I went to some of them, but there's real pretty cheerleaders. And that's all I've seen as a young man. But I know nothing about football. And they're just talking around. They're just talking about football. And I don't know who's the, uh, who's the uh, Cherokee and the Redskins or whatever, you know. I don't know whether they're the St. Louis Cardinals or, or the uh, Jalapeno Poppers. I don't know. And they're talking about football. And I'm sitting there just grunting, grunting, because I don't have a clue what they're talking about. And I'm thinking, you know, this ain't right. I felt like Peter, it's good for me to be here. Let us build three tabernacles, one for the Lord, one for Elisha, one for thee, for Moses. 
And right in the middle of them talking about something called a touchdown, I said, I know that term, touchdown. And I spoke up. I said, Jesus Christ touched down on the cross of Calvary and detonated with the life of God, died on the cross for my sins, rose again from the grave, and I'm saved and washed in the blood of the Lamb. And the elevator door opened, and the guys in it scattered quickly and said, you know nothing about football. That's what he means about from the housetop, shout out what I've done for you in secret. What I've done for you in darkness. I tell you what I tell you in darkness. When you get out in the light, when you get out on the street, shout it out. Jesus is Lord. Shout it out. Jesus is overcomer. Shout it out. Jesus is coming soon. And by the way, I've been alone with Jesus a few times here the last few weeks, and he said to me, I'm coming, sir. In fact, I was with Jesus this morning at 4.30 praying, and I could hear Jesus say to me, I tell you, I'm coming, sir. Woo! So let me shout it from the housetop. Jesus Christ is coming soon. The king is coming. I love it. So it's an intimate time with Jesus. What I tell you in darkness, speak you in the light. What you hear in, in your ear, go preach it upon the housetop. Verse 28 is another great verse. And, and it reads like this, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Yeah. Now, I could take that verse and try to make it sound like God is furious and angry and wanting to kill us. But you need to see what he's trying to say here. Jesus is trying to say, fear not them that kill the body. What he's simply saying is, damage is limited. Everybody say damage is limited. See, we, we don't need to fear the world. Fear not this world because damage is limited. What God gives us, the world cannot take away from us. Remember the verse is saying there's damage, damage is limited. They can't take from you what the Lord has given you. That's what he's saying in here in this great verse, uh, verse 28, fear not them that kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which, are able to, which is able to destroy the soul and body in hell. So we look at this and we say, okay, what Jesus is saying is, there's only so much the world can do to you. After that, it can do no more. There's only so much damage that, that problems can do to you. There's only so much damage that a storm can do to you. There's only so much damage, and your body may be damaged beyond repair, and you may die, but after that, <laughs> you're not on your own. 
You're in the presence of Jesus Christ. If he talks to you in darkness and tells you the blessing of God, you're safe. And you don't have to fear this world. Amen. Amen. Now someone say, well, you know, you don't have to fear this world, but fear God. Isn't that what Jesus Christ is saying? Fear God. Well, let's look at this in a proper light. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Sure he is. He's able to destroy and kill both body and soul in hell. He's, he's able to do that. God is able to do that. But let's don't make God the, the criminal here. Let's don't make God the bad person here. The, 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 let's, don't, let's don't put a black hat on God. He's not the villain. Just fear God. And how do you fear God? You fear your sin. How do you fear God? You fear your rebellion toward Christ. How do you fear God? You fear your wickedness and your sin and iniquity. You fear that. And when you fear that, you are fearing God. Because there is a result to those that do not fear sin and those that do not fear death, and those that do not fear God's commandments, and those that do not fear God's order, then there's no alternative but for God to judge. I believe I said this last Sunday. You may have to force God to punish you, but you'll never have to force God to love you. And when someone lives in sin and, and disobeys God, they're forcing God to punish them. But God loves them and cares for them. Isn't that good? So there's the damage control. There's only so much damage they can do. Kill your body, you're on your way to heaven. Whatever the world dishes out, fear not this world. There's only so much there's only so many storms. There's only so many sicknesses. There's only so many disappointments. There's only so many shattered dreams. There's only so many days and nights. There's only so many wearisome heartbeats. There's only so many uh, troublous thoughts. There's only so many. But after that, nothing can be done. The world is powerless. Fear not this world, but fear him that created this world. Amen. Amen. So we look, at the, we look at the third fear, not because of God's love, knowledge, and power. I purposely saved this to closer to lunchtime. What do you do with sparrows? Okay, I'll, I'll, let me read first. And fear not them which kill the body, but they are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him that is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Look at verse 29 to 30. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father? But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are more of more value than many sparrows. 
Jesus Christ said a sparrow, two of them can be bought by one copper coin, one copper penny. Two sparrows. Why would you want to buy two sparrows? To eat them. How many ever had shrimp on a stick? How many had pork and beef on a stick? Veggies. Well, in those days, they would do sparrows, and they would put them on a stick, and they would roast them. And they would eat sparrows like you and I eat potato chips. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go out and kill a sparrow and eat it. I mean, come on, Colton Steakhouse is open. Kill the cow, don't kill the bird. But notice he says, are not two sparrows so little? If one of them falls to the ground without your father, whether it falls in death or whether it hops along, the father knows every movement of that little sparrow. And he says, your hairs are, the number of hairs on your head are all numbered, meaning God gives you so many numbers of hairs in your lifespan. They're all numbered. I don't mean if you're bald, you're about to die. I'm just saying, <laughs> God knows. Amen? I'm not saying don't ever get a haircut. I'll get one because Judy tells me I have to. She says, you're looking like a hippie. You need to get a haircut. And if you're a hippie, it's okay. I just can't be one because Judy won't let me be one. <laughs> the very hair is upon your head. That's beautiful. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. Your hairs on your head are numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are more value than many sparrows. So Jesus Christ is saying, don't be afraid of the world. Fear not the world. Because the Father knows your very blood pressure right now where you're sitting. Your Father knows every number, how many hairs is on your head right there where you're sitting. The Father knows whether you're healthy or whether you're ill. The Father knows whether your arteries are clogged or they're freely throbbing through. The Father knows he knows what you're thinking right now. Wish the preacher would be quiet. The Father knows that. The Father knows everything about you. He even knows when you're going to change the color of your hair. God probably says, there she goes again. I gave her beautiful, beautiful, curly black hair, but there she goes. She loves the red. Oh, there goes one that loves the green and the blue. Now, I'm not putting you down. I'm just trying to say that God knows what color eyes you were born with. It isn't only her hairdresser knows for sure. It's God knows for sure. Amen? There's nothing worse than a man that's 80 years old that has dyed his hair coal black, put him on a black jacket, and got him a motorcycle. Run, run. 
and he's riding around. Everybody looks at him and says, there goes a 90-year-old man on a motorcycle that's going through puberty. <laughs> right? <laughs> now, let me tell you, friends, I'm not against makeup and I'm not against coloring your hair. Come on, if a, a little paint to help an old barn, put it on. If my wife were in here, she would be saying, that's about enough, <laughs> pastor. No, I'm not against, you know, I don't mind green hair. I've seen some people that look pretty with green hair. Actually, they look better with green hair than they, well, you know, it helped them. <laughs> I've actually seen some women in pink and green and blue hair that look pretty. They did, they look pretty. I'm not bad-mouthing them. I, if they want to do that, that's, it's their hair, right? If you want to buzz your head, buzz your head. If you want to grow long hair, grow long hair. That's none of my business. That's your business. But God knows the temperature of your body. He knows the heart rate of your body. He knows how good your eyesight is. He knows what you're thinking. He knows where you're at. If he knows about a sparrow that has caught two of them for a copper penny and is threaded after they clean it, thread it on a stick and roast it and they eat it like potato chip, if he knows about the sparrow at its birth, when it hatched out of the egg, at its, at its birth, to its growing up, till it's falling in the snare of men, and that bird is eaten, and if God knows every detail of that little bird, then Jesus Christ says, chill out, don't be afraid. Fear not this world. Because of God's knowledge, God's wisdom, God's power, God's strength, fear not this world. He knows everything. Amen. Amen. He knows when I'm going to quit preaching. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> he knows when you wish I would. <laughs> I don't. God knows everything. God knows the dream you had last night, even if it was crazy and corny. I had some really weird dreams last night. I dreamed that there was a snake crawling all over me. And it was so cold. And while I was dreaming this snake crawling all over me and it's so cold, I woke up and there it was. Judy had her legs wrapped around me. Now, the God, God knows that. Amen? I didn't have that dream last night, but I did actually have that dream. And it actually unfolded like that. God knows your hair color. He knows your eye color. He knows how 
tall you are. He knows how thin or how heavy. God looks at me and says, there he goes again. <laughs> Buffet. God knows. He knows everything. And he knows he loves you. And he wants you to know that too. God knows that he loves you. God knows that he loved you so much he died for you. And he wants you to know that too. God cares so much about you and loves you. If he cares for the sparrow that once was and then is not. If he cares for something as small as a sparrow. The number of hair on your head. If he knows all those things. If he knows when the next war is going to break out, if he knows when the politician's slipping money under the table, if he knows when people are hiding things and lying, and if he knows all those things, then I want you to know, he knows that you want to live forever. He knows that you want your sins forgiven. He knows that he wants that, that you want to go to heaven when you die. He knows that you want to live with him in heaven forever and ever. So Jesus Christ went to the cross, died on the cross, shed his blood on the cross, went to the tomb, rose again from the grave. And now he tells you in darkness, he tells you in darkness, I love you. I died for you. I rose again from the grave for you. Now shout it in the daylight. Shout it from the housetop. And we'll be getting into that next Sunday morning that if you're ashamed of him, and his words in this adulterous and sinful generation, him will you be ashamed of when he comes in the glory of the Father with his holy angels. So we'll get into that place where someone gets saved, it's not just a personal matter. It's not just a secluded private matter. When someone gets saved, it's a family matter. You're born into the family of God. It's something that you shout from the housetop. It's something that you tell others that you know Jesus Christ and you believe he's Savior and you're going to trust him all the way home. Amen. You say, preacher, you preached against things that you shouldn't preach against. I didn't preach against anything concerning your hair color, your the length of the eye color or how big you are or how thin you are. I didn't, I didn't criticize. You can ha- help yourself. Listen, God's not, you know, that's, 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 uh, that's small chips. That's small potato chips. It's not a big deal. Amen? Preachers that think that's a big deal, they need to get out of the ministry. How people dress, that's not a big deal. What people do, that's not a big deal. Sometimes I wear a suit, sometimes I don't. It's not a big deal. There's people that get upset because the preacher doesn't wear long sleeves. There's churches that preach against preachers wear shirts that are short sleeves. But I want you to know that according to God Almighty, I have the right to bear arms.
I had the right to long hair. I had the right to big belly. I had the right to green hair if I wanted, blue hair if I wanted, red hair if I wanted. I have the right to do whatever I want to do, but I don't have the right to say no to Jesus Christ. I don't have the right to reject the Son of God. I don't have the right to trample under the blood of Jesus Christ and reject God. I don't have the right to neglect my soul and and live in sin and iniquity. Amen. Remember I said last Sunday, I wish all the sinners in the world would come here. And we've got a good start. <laughs> remember, remember I said last Sunday, I wish all the drunkards would come. I wish all the drug addicts would come. I wish, I wish all the prostitutes would come. I wish all the, 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 the drug pushers and the drug addicts would come. I wish everybody would come. Why? Because everybody is loved by God. Everybody, you know, God loves everybody. And we want to teach you about Jesus Christ. We're not trying to take, change the way you dress. We're not trying to change the way you look. We're trying to tell you there's a Savior that will talk to you in the darkness and whisper to you, I love you. I died for you. I gave my soul for you. I rose again from the grave. And we want to disciple people. The church is not an excluded club for a bunch of believers. The church is a hospital for a bunch of sickos. Well, I can't come to church because if I come to church, the roof will fall in. Trust me. Trust me. If you're that afraid, we'll get you a helmet to wear in here. Well, they'll say bad things about you. Are you not listening on the streets? We love you. And it makes no difference what you've done in your past. It makes no difference what you're struggling. I want you to know, I'd like to see this whole church filled with people that are not even saved, that we could share and disciple the good news of Jesus Christ with and share the goodness of God and let God decide. Let God decide. And let God compel and save people. Amen? Somebody asked me the other day, how many people go to your church? You know, these preachers are hung up on how many attend your church. They asked me, said, how many people attend your church? And I said, well, me and my wife do. He said, that, he said, is that all that attends your church? I said, that's all that matters. Me and my wife go, children go. People get hung up on numbers. I'm not hung up on numbers. This place can be filled. It cannot be filled. I'm going to preach the gospel either way. Amen. 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 Now, we got a good crowd tonight or today, and we have good crowds on Sunday night, and we have good crowds on Wednesday night. But that's not why I preach. And when someone asks me how many attend, I usually tell them four, five, ten. 
Well, I'm not lying. There are 10 people here. You, you know, it's sad when people get hung up on names above doors and crowds. Listen, I'm hung up on Jesus. I could care less what you look like, care less what you wear, care less what, you know, I, 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 Jesus loves you. True story, I stepped in the elevator and the guy looks at me and says, you look like a Church of Christ preacher I know. Well, I got a brother that looks just like me and he is a Church of Christ preacher. The guy looked at me and he said, I know your brother. I said, that's good. He said, are you a Church of Christ preacher too? I said, yes, sir. He said, that's wonderful. I'm glad you're a Church of Christ minister. I said, I am. To what church of Christ do you pastor? I said, Ozark Full Gospel Church. He said, oh. Well, I didn't lie to him. This is a church of Christ. They all are that come together in Jesus' name. Redeemed by Christ. Amen? Amen. Someone make a big deal about baptism. Well, I won't baptize you unless you've been taught, you know, 15 different courses about before you're baptized. We've got to put you through courses. Shoot, I'll baptize anybody that gets near me in water. So what if they're not saved? I'll hold them under longer. You think I'm going to discourage anyone from being water baptized? Not on your life. I'm not going to discourage anyone from going to church. I'm not going to discourage anyone from being baptized. I'm not going to discourage anyone from taking the Lord's Supper, communion. I'm not going to discourage anyone from worshiping the Lord and coming to the house of God. No, sir. No, sir. I'll never be in the ministry of discouragement. He said, well, you'll just have a church full of sinners. Yeah, I know. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> now, I shouldn't say this, and my wife, if I had a vote, she'd vote not to say this. And I shouldn't say this, but I got, I'm going to say this. I would rather have a whole church full of winos than a half a church full of whiners. Whole church full of winos than a, than a half a church full of whiners. We're here because we want to go to heaven. Amen. We're here because we want to hear from God. Amen. And it's not about how we dress. It's not about how we look. It's not about how. It's about Jesus. Amen. And I want you to know he loves you. And he'll say to you while you're in darkness, in private, I love you. And I want you to shout it out from the housetop. See, we take what we learn in here and we go shout it out out there. 
What a blessing it is to serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. Next week we'll be looking at public confessions and where we stand with God and how we should honor God in our life and how we should not, you know, we don't go looking for trouble, but when trouble comes, we don't run from it. We don't go out trying to cause trouble and motivate people by our obnoxious attitude. But if we're pressed on and put in a position that we have to decide, then we need the liberty to say it and the strength and the courage to say it. Fear not this world. Fear not the graveyard. Fear not sickness and disease. Fear not the wars and rumors of wars. Fear not the pestilence. Fear not what's coming down the tube with politicians and the next virus. Fear not the, the politicians. Fear not the heartbreak. Fear not. Fear not this world. Because you are more value than many sparrows. God cares about you. We're going to get an invite. Maybe the Lord spoke to you. And you want to come down here and say, you know, I want this Jesus. I want this Jesus that did not come to condemn me, but to come to save me and give me eternal life. I want this Jesus that will bring me into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to fear sin. I want to fear rebellion. I want to fear iniquity. And while I fear iniquity and rebellion and sin, I automatically fear God. I automatically fear God because there is consequences to our sins. All is open. I want to invite you to come.